Welcome to Vets Beyond the Uniform, a weekly podcast that focuses on helping veterans successfully find and integrate into new careers after leaving the military service. Listen in as our host and guest experts share key insights on the successful programs helping veterans to enter and thrive in the civilian workforce. For more information after the program, please visit us at VetsBeyondTheUniform.com. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the Vets Beyond the Uniform podcast. I am Mally Mancia, and joining me today, I have the founder, Paul Cevillani, and co-founder, Dave Beadle, from Vets Beyond the Uniform. On today's show, Paul and Dave will be talking with Dean Dufinet, founder and CEO of NATO Eco Solutions, Inc., and All-Star Vets. Welcome, everyone. Thank you, Mally. Good to be here. You're welcome. Good morning. Good morning. So, Dean, welcome to the show today. We are excited to have you on board. I've known you for a couple years now, and always impressed with all the activities and all the things that you're doing um, to support the Native American veterans and, and just veterans in general. So um, let's start off letting everybody know about your organizations. You have two of them. And how did they come about? No, thank you very much once again for just having me on and helping me uh, to raise awareness um, for these type of issues. It's important, and I appreciate the good work that you all are doing as well. Um, so, yeah, I have, uh, I have two, two organizations that I run. Uh, one is the nonprofit All-Star Vets, which I founded in 2016 after um, about seven years spent in the social work space where I was um, director of veteran services for Interfaith Community Services, which is one of the largest providers of veteran services in San Diego County. Um, I, after I, it was my time to transition from that position, um, I felt that I wanted to start something that I could put my own stamp on the, the veteran community. And I'm a big lifelong sports fan and I use I'm not only the founder, I'm also a client. I, <laughs> I use sports and recreation and things as my, as my self-care. And it was just had kind of a light bulb moment when, uh, thinking through what I was going to do in my transition. And, um, you know, it was right there in front of me, all of the positive benefits of being involved in even recreational sports or leisure activities or wellness-related activities. And basically anything under the that umbrella of wellness activities is what all-star vets is really about and engaging um, the vets after they get out. It's a good way to build camaraderie uh, to find their tribe, so to speak, where you can go around, be around like-minded people. And then while we, you know, sports, we're, we're a culture of fanatics. America is right. We all have our teams. We all have our sports and things. So the fact that sports brings people together, we leverage that fact. And then, we can then put on our social work hat sometimes again uh, to say, hey, you know, you know, how's your transition been? Is there anything that you need? And yeah. there's probably 95% of the time somebody comes back to say that, you know, yeah, I'm getting out in a couple of weeks. I don't know. I, I don't really know what I, my benefits are, things like that. So we, we, um, we've helped a lot of people in a lot of ways with All-Star Vets, and it's been a very grassroots effort, very slow grow by design. I just wanted to tease this out and see what types of uh, things that the, were, were well received in the community and what types of things that 
maybe we, you know, maybe aren't in our wheelhouse, but uh, having it open to trying different things is, is how I designed all-star vets. And I'm happy to say that it is well-received in the community. Um, and we are part of San Diego veterans coalition. Uh, we are part of San Diego's live well um, program. And we've done, we've done quite a bit of good work over the first four years of existence. As a matter of fact, the 2021 uh, looks to be a, a year where we're going to level up with All-Star Vets, bringing on some powerhouse board members with some great visions of their own. And people that are ready, willing, and able to roll up their sleeves and get the work done. You know, the ideas are easy. The execution is the tough part. So, uh, so we're looking forward to 2021 with All-Star Vets, and I think good things we've got going on. Right now, uh, we're in progress of signing an MOU with a group called Amped Surf. And what we are going to be doing is we are going to be their San Diego area uh, strategic partner for expanding their um, adaptive surfing program. So that's one of the big exciting things we've got in the works right now. And as you know, COVID times requires, uh, you know, uh, being quick on your feet to think and Surfing is a pretty good social distancing activity, so uh, we have somebody spearheading that effort, and we're we're, we're rolling that out as we speak. And then, uh, so that's all Star Vets. And then Native Eco Solutions uh, came about in um, 2018. I actually started it as a sole proprietorship, and it was this is my first venture into the entrepreneurship space, uh, where I'm actually starting a for-profit entity designed to make business, make money. <laughs> and uh, so that's, it's been a really uh, great learning experience for me. Um, and Native Eco Solutions is just, um, you know, I have a, being Native American, we, we want to be good stewards of the of all Mother Earth. And so we are champions of renewable energy, uh, green cleaning methods, green construction methods, um, and those types of things that are going to, you know, give our planet a little breather from all of the destruction and poking and prodding we're doing for oil and all kinds of other things. Uh, we're hoping that, you know, to be part of, we're hoping to be part of that, that wave of solutions into that green space. So that's what um, I've been doing with Native Eco Solutions, and I incorporated in January of 2019. And so it's been a very, very wild and interesting ride. Um, nothing comes easy for me. I'm, I'm, my, my friend has a good, my friend has a good term that he uses for some, some of the baseball players that you don't really know their names, but they kind of just steady Eddie kind of guys that show up and they do a good job. He calls them the ham and eggers, you know, the ham and egg guys are less like, yeah, nothing, nothing fancy. That's kind of me. Like in the, in the world of business, that's me where, you know, I'm not, I may not wow you, but my, I'll plug, I'll show up. I'll keep plugging away. I'll do my due diligence. I'll do my research and I'll get there eventually. Um, so that's my, been my experience with native eco solutions right now. And honestly, uh, over my, my career, my career path, I've, I've made a lot of really great um, kind of strategic partners and built up some of that, I guess you call it kind of relationship capital that has really proved to help me out as I start my, um, for-profit venture here. So I've in the short year and a half uh, going on two years now, we have landed a couple government contracts, nothing big and lighting the world on fire or anything, but we've, we, we're winning. We're starting to win now after, you know, clawing and scrapping through that process, which could be daunting. 
and we've also got some local uh, contracts where we're working with San Diego Unified School District. Uh, we've worked with Train, um, some HVAC systems, and and so and now in the over the COVID times, we have kind of pivoted. My wife lost her job as a uh, casino marketing director for Viejas, which is one of the biggest casinos in San Diego, and so. Um, so like a, like a lot of people, we've had to get creative, and we, we had her come into Native Eco Solutions, and then all of a sudden we're offering marketing services. And and I say nothing comes easy to me because I've been after this, this venture for a few years, and I'm clawing and scrapping to get a couple of clients. Well, my wife comes in with her casino marketing background and her MBA, and we're, we're kind of starting to rack up tribal clients for marketing services left and right. And I'm like, yeah, you know, You've been on the job. You've been on the job a month and a half. She already landed a. She already landed a, um, you know, a tribe as a for marketing services. Uh, we we also got our gaming license, which was part of the requirement to do business with the casino because we're doing marketing for their for their small casino at the La, at La Jolla Indian Reservation. So I guess what we could do is we call you ham and eggs, but we call your wife breakfast is served, right? I mean, she came in and, and delivered it right there on the spot. Um, so that's just a whole bunch of stuff that you've been doing. You're building up um, Native Echo Solutions, but you're also supporting the vets. I mean, how do you, you know, how do you work and support the Native American veteran out there? How do you do your outreach? How do you see that working and, and and what they need to be able to to um, perform or be able to access civilian careers with a little more skills in that. What do you? How do you see that? Hey, Paul. Uh, yeah. I draw. I the the call just dropped on me, and I I called back in, so I missed the last part of your question there. Oh, and sorry I don't know where that. I dropped off. So okay. No, no, no problem. Um, I'm back. Yeah, I was saying you were ham and eggs, and your wife was breakfast is served. Um, <laughs> But from there, what I was talking about is um, you've done a lot. You've done so much um, since you started Native Echo Solutions and All-Star Vets. And you do a lot to support the Native American veterans. What I, was, what I was asking there was, what do you see as some of the obstacles for the Native American veterans? And what do they need to help them? You know, I don't know if it's to get off the reservations, to stay on the reservations and be and bring better revenue in. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, like I was kind of, we were talking a little bit before the show started Um, access, you know, access is one thing that's really difficult for our, our native vets because as you all know, as advocates, um, if there's no, nobody out there actively advocating for you, it's hard to navigate anything. Um, So that's why the VA is so heavy on, you know, uh, providing outreach and, and engagement, things like that. But they don't do a great job of is going to a lot of these very remote reservations. There's over 575 federally recognized tribes in the um, United States. So an outreach into each of those is a, is a tall task. However, I believe it, it I, I believe our native veterans are, worthy of our collective best efforts. Um, and I'll give in a couple of reasons why is um, our, our native veterans serve at the highest rates per capita um, in the country, even starting before they're considered citizens. 
Um, in World War One, we served by the thousands voluntarily. We didn't have a right to vote in the in the matters, and we just got done, you know, uh, being put on reservations and our lands, you know, um, you know, the treaties that were signed to give up the land and were put on reservations and things. So this is in late 1880s time frame and the allotment acts and all those things that happened. And shortly after that, World War One breaks out. Well, what do our warriors do? They say these are our lands, and if they're if they're in jeopardy, then we're gonna we'll go fight to keep the uh, keep the fight away from our our lands here. So, so and we have a long, rich history of service to the United States, even after being wiped out. You know, so I feel like at the minimum that we can do as a country, as a nation, is to give our best efforts to reach out to them, give our best efforts to provide resource and access to services for them, help to train. Here's the big thing. What, what you need is you need that localized support. And you also, what's most effective is peer to peer, peer support. So, um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's kind of intuitive to think that, you know, who's the best advocate for uh, natives on tribes? Well, probably a fellow tribal member, right? And if you can't yeah. get a tribal member, then probably a fellow native. You know, and if you can't get a fellow native, you can get, get somebody who's who's culturally competent enough to know what the local issues are and what they go through out there. Because um, if you come to them with the suite of things that are offered at the VA, a lot of that stuff, they can't even relate to it because they're like, you know, what do you mean GI Bill? What do you mean uh, yeah. VA home loan? I'm eons away from that. You know, what, do you, what can you really do for me in my situation? Well, let me ask so you a question that, on that because I'm, I'm sorry, but we, we, there's so many no. programs out there. Let me try to rephrase this. There's so many people out there that talk the talk. We've talked about this before. You hear around. They want to take care of the Native American veterans, not the Native American Indians and the Native American veterans. And all these people come up and they put these plans in place. They put these programs in place. But the gut feeling is it tends to lack um, execution. It, you know, it, 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 we've talked about this. There's a lot of talk, but are they walking the walk to help the Native American veterans? Really, you know, from my viewpoint, and I'm, I'm probably somebody who really keeps, uh, as far as I know, I, I keep the tabs on this type of a thing more than anybody that I actually know in this space. And I, and I say that we're not doing everything that we can, you know, there are efforts being made and everything. Like I said, there's this plan looking at right now for the Department of Labor. Well, put together plan. Here's what they said. You know, they want to boost economic development on tribal lands. They want to cl collaborate across federal and state agencies and tri with tribal governments. They want to launch communication program focused on outreach to native vets on tribal lands. Map inventory to employ. You know, they say all these really, you know, these are all good things that you that you want to say that that you think if implemented, well, we should be able to boost employment. You know, we should be able to get more veterans uh, starting their own businesses and things along that line. But being somebody who is visiting tribes on the regular, some of these tribes have no veteran uh, representation whatsoever. So let alone some kind of master plan being implemented. They're like, what? What's what, what do you mean VA? What do you mean benefits? You know, what do you mean uh, I could buy? I could potentially use the VA loan on tribal land. You know, they don't, they're just not aware because, like I said, these plans are not. The execution is where it's failing. 
Um, I think a lot of people that are the decision makers and the lawmakers, they're good at this stuff, right? They're good at putting the strategy yeah. together. Yeah, let's all get, get get around the table. Let's get a scribe. Let's throw all our ideas on the table. You scribe, you make sense of it and put, you know, spit it back out to us. And we can all feel good about that. We pitched into this great Native American strategy and then it can sit, uh, you know, it can sit on the, uh, on the hard drive, you know, for, for years with no action. What do you think the, so, the lack of action is, is based on? What do you, do you think it's just somebody's doing, somebody's doing the planning just to get credit for planning, but it's too hard to do the implementation? Yeah, it's a, it's a failure in leadership, essentially. You know, okay. um, you know an, an example is last year um, I was one of probably 200 or so uh, Native American veteran leaders that was invited to the White House to, um, to talk about these things that are going on in Native, Native country. Well, there's uh, the people that were running it. Um, I, I made sure to, you know, stay in connection with them and everything. And after, after the session, which, you know, on and, and to, to be honest, um, I kind of went into it a little bit like, Hey, is this the, is this the dog and pony show going on here? You know, for the optics, yeah. Yeah. uh, it's native American month and all this stuff. And so she, you know, what about if we do this? It didn't, everybody had to pay their own travel. You know, it, it wasn't anything very, you know, necessarily elaborate in that way. You have to pay your own travel just to be there and all that kind of stuff. And so what they did is they went, they kind of went through just all of the government programs that, that they have for veterans. And, and the most of it didn't niche down into a specific focus on Native American veterans. It was just like, hey, these are the grants available to you from the USDA if you're a veteran and you want to start, you want to be a farmer. And here's, you know, it was, all, it was a very cookie cutter um, type of presentation, but it did allow for some, from, for some discussions. And we had, you know, um, there was a couple of different secretary of labor was there and, um, uh, you know, the vice president showed up, um, Pence and he came and did, you know, said a lot of really great things about the tradition and history and of native American veterans and all of this stuff. But so it's all good and well, or you feel good about it. You know, you get invited to the white house, you talk about all these things, you, you, you're saying, all right, well, maybe this is, Maybe we're uh, kind of turning the page here and starting a chapter where there's actual engagement and things. So I follow up with the guy who, who organized it. He was a staffer for the White House saying, all right, great, great event, well done. Um, what, now what? <laughs> you know, like, okay, great. What, what's the action coming out of that? What's, the, what's even a written plan that came out of that? Did anybody capture what was discussed? Did anybody capture what the questions were? And I told him, like, you know, and I know he's a busy man and everything, but, like, this is so important to people like me that were already looking at this event kind of sideways thinking, like, yeah, okay, is this the dog and pony show? Is this, are they for real? Do they really want to help? And their actions more than their words show me that it's, it's the former, right? Um, so, so it's discouraging in those ways that, uh, you know, you can, get, you can get into the White House and you can talk to the vice president and all of that stuff and then, uh, when you want to know what the next steps are to, for improving, um, there's, there's cricket. I even offered to, uh, to help him with that effort, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, there was a little bit of discussion of let's start a Slack channel where we can put all the questions that weren't answered into the, into there. And then we can have, you know, the representation uh, representatives, you know, answer those questions and things, but 
So that, I mean, so that to me, that's that's discouraging in that way, but also it's not going to deter me from continuing to av- advocate uh, any any turn I can, everywhere, any strategic partner I can gather uh, to make an effort towards doing that. Um, just because I believe in, that's part of our own self-determination as Native Americans as well, is that we can't be looking at the government to, to solve all of our problems and to give us the, to be, give us the blueprint to uh, a quality of life, you know? Um, so, so that's where I'm just kind of taking it into my own hands, so to speak, and getting people that are like-minded and we're making some stuff happen. You know, and I'll give you one example. Just yesterday through a, through a connection that I have with the Office of Tribal Government Relations, her name is Terry Bentley, and she has the, um, I think it's the Pacific, they have these swaths of area that they cover, uh, and I, can't, I think it's a couple, five different states or something like that, I think, uh, including California, Oregon, Washington. Um, so, uh, so through my connection with her, she's reaching out to me now for for um, consultation on things, and I brought our post-traumatic growth presentation to her because they wanted to do a, a um, they wanted to do a segment on post-traumatic stress, and so I said, hey, we got we've we've been developing this post-traumatic growth, and I think it's something that needs to be talked about some more, uh, and get some more uh, some more run, and so she agreed to do it, and the 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 event was yesterday, the webinar was yesterday, uh, and, and it went off very well and there was I think maybe 75 participants on the on the call so that's the kind of stuff that I that I enjoy doing and it sometimes doesn't take a lot of work necessarily if but it does take putting some focused effort into it and making the connections Um, and that's kind of what I tell people my superpower is my superpower is I'm a connector so I can see you know where, where things can or can be connected to make things move forward. And so it, it, was a, it was a good step in that direction. And I've got the ear of somebody in the Office of Tribal Government Relations, um, and, that's, and that's a good thing. And she's very um, – and so we have a partnership going. That's awesome. Dean Dave here, fellow Marine, wanted to just kind of chime in a little bit. So a couple of things I, I pulled out of that that I just wanted to follow up on. Um, number one, obviously with, with challenges – from um, leadership on high at the at, at the federal level, um, not much happening there. My question to you is like, what is it that we can do um, to help you with a lot of your efforts? It sounds like, um, and I think this probably is not uncommon, as you said, for the Native American community to say, okay, some of the stuff we're going to have to do on our own. How can how can we help you kind of take that leadership role um, and potentially move some of these things forward? The other thing that I, that I really kind of gets me going when I hear the, the term cultural competency. Um, that's something mm-hmm. that I talk about with veterans in general, and I think you can take the deeper dive and, and drill it down even further in terms of what's the cultural competency aspect of these programs and the services for transition, as well as just uh, veteran benefits, and how that needs to be incorporated into what, what you do with the Native Americans. Um, and I'm just, you know, so those are things I think is what can we do to kind of help you support with that? And I'd love to know a little bit more about, that, you know, the time we got left at this um, post-traumatic growth. That's that's uh, that's a new term for me. So tell me, sure. tell me how we can help and what's this post-traumatic growth thing? You got it. So, um, so how you can help is kind of what Paul and I already started to do in the library. 
You know, we started kind of mapping out what a potential uh, employment engagement type of program could be. So if we continue down that path, refresh that plan and start to engage with the tribes and the veterans that they have in their tribes to start seeing um, what types of services, what, what um, packages uh, or, or courses that are well suited for, for our native veteran community and really tailor it to that and come up with a suite of very native American veteran specific uh, package I think that could be a powerful thing that would wor- be worth at least piloting, you know, try out a cu- couple tribes and pilot it, see how it goes and try to, you know, measure it, of course, and, and then kind of go from there. I think that could be a good approach if, if that you're open to that. And of course, um, you know, on the funding part of it and everything, be willing to, to look at grants that we could, could potentially collaborate on, uh, could potentially use the tribe to partner with on, on funding for things. Uh, for the ones that we have inroads with. So I think that, I mean, that's a very real and tangible way to help. Uh, other ways to help are also just being, just advocating in general for us or making connections. If you run across a native veterans um, and things, just, just doing that outreach to, um, you know, putting them in touch with myself so that I can kind of talk to them and, and assess their needs and, and just talk through, uh, um, just talk through how they need help and how I can potentially help them. Yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, so Dean, I'm I'm out here in uh, in South Carolina, and I'm we're in Cherokee country. So um, there you go. Went through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so happy to happy to see if I can uh, I could reach out or make some connections with with those folks who were just driving up through the Cherokee Reservation last weekend. Probably touch on it uh, this weekend as we're checking out the fall colors. But uh, so we got about four minutes left. And tell us a little bit more yeah. about this um, traumatic post traumatic growth program and uh, what's that all about. And again, how can we support that? Absolutely. So, so post-traumatic growth, um, you know, as a Marine veteran and somebody who's been in social work for as long as I have and been an advocate the last 12 years, and even before I got into the advocacy, and part of the reason I got into it is because of the issue of PTSD and how rampant it, it's gotten and it's been. And, you know, um, even to date, most things you hear about PTSD, are, it's very negative. It's mostly negative. And what I saw it do to that diagnosis due to a lot of our homeless veterans that we serve, um, it was really debilitating mentally to them. Uh, it, it definitely has a psychological effect on them. And what I also saw is some veterans in some certain cases, in my opinion, personal opinion on this one, was they're being robbed of living, living a fulfilling life because they got that diagnosis. And then pretty soon they got a, they're living the life of a disabled person. Here they are, 23, yeah. 24, year, 24 years old, fresh out of the military. They get this diagnosis, and then they, they and and a lot of times they start thinking like they're damaged goods. Mm-hmm. And to me, uh, that was something that I, I, I kept telling myself: there's got to be other things out there. There's got to be something else out there about this. So here enters post-traumatic growth, that a concept that I learned about. I don't know, probably in the 2016 time frame or so. Um, no, I'm sorry, 2013 or so. So what post-traumatic growth is, it's, it's the positive change experienced as a result of the struggle with a major life crisis or traumatic event. So that's the actual definition of it. And what you'll notice right away is the word positive. What? Post-traumatic growth, post-traumatic, you're talking about PTSD, um, but you're talking about trauma 
and positive in the same sentence. Well, that's something that's already new. Yeah. You don't hear that. And But what I really like about it is that it gives that, that hope. We all need hope. You know, we, we all need something to be uh, clinging on to for the future. And that's what post-traumatic growth, in my opinion, really does well it to, to give a sort of a um, – uh, something to go by to look forward to, such as, you know, it, what, what it says is that if you have certain domains, they call it surrounding your, your situation, um, like positive support systems. It could be church or it could be your, you know, your book group or it could be a lot of things. But if you have a positive support system surrounding you, you're better, um, your odds of succeeding are better. So uh, post-traumatic growth really does a good job of doing that. And so the idea is to, that you can actually come out on the other side of a trauma that you've experienced even stronger than you were when you experienced the trauma, which is a little counterintuitive. And it, get, it takes a little wrapping around, you know, wrapping that around your head. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, I feel like um, so those domains are increased personal strength, could be physical and mental strength, incre- increase in relationship to others, so types of things like camaraderie, kind of an increased appreciation for life. Uh, even And this is a big one, a spiritual and existential change, kind of you have a purposeful mission-driven type of mentality. And then also seeing the, uh, the uh, new possibilities out there after coming into a, a traumatic situation. So those are the domains I'd love to, um, I can share, I can share a slide deck that I have with you on it. And um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to raise more awareness about it because it's, it's, it has good, such positive implications. You just never know who's going to latch onto that and feel better about their, their prognosis and their future mm-hmm. having heard something like this. Yeah, that's amazing. We could, we could probably spend a, a whole other um podcast on on that alone i mean it sounds like just some amazing stuff out there it's kind of ironic because just uh we, we just recorded a episode yesterday with one of the uh, vps from the resilience building leader program and a lot of what you're talking about here with this post-traumatic growth really is is talking about resilience how do you take that that adversity that traumatic event and actually grow from it and come out better on the other side. So that's, that's a really interesting concept that I think a lot of people are really seeing the benefit for. Yeah. And I'll tell you, so uh, I'm the mouthpiece, you know, I'm the mouthpiece part of it. I'm not necessarily the subject matter expert. I do have a subject matter expert though. Her, her name is Dr. Megan Hawker and she's a major in the army reserves as well. We work together at Interfaith. So she's really the brains behind it all. I mean, I've, I've read the research as well, and I, and I do my due diligence on it. Um, and so I'm knowledgeable about it. But what I am is I'm the veteran mouthpiece going out there saying, hey, you guys need to listen to this, you know. You know, take it for what it's worth or whatever, but you, do, you need to hear this. And so we kind of co-present on this sometimes. I present it myself, but it's always better when, when I have, uh, you know, obviously when we have uh, Dr. Megan Hawker there to, to back things up. So, um, so yeah, we feel like we got a good thing going there, and we're talking to Psych Armor um, about the potential for them to help us get this on there in their library. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know if you ever gone that route or whatever, or done research into them, but I did. I, I approached no, them well. about this in the beginning. They said yeah. thirty thousand dollars to come up with a training. I said, okay, uh, I don't think we're ready for that yet. So yeah. uh, we'll talk to you, and maybe we get there. So. 
But they have new leadership, and um, Tina Atherall, who I served with on the San Diego Veterans Coalition board, I have a meeting with her actually set up for next week to talk about how can we actually make this happen and without a $30,000 price tag attached to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, Tina's, Tina's should, great. I've had some uh, interactions with her myself, so uh, it should be a good conversation. Well, I know we want to yeah. kind of wrap this up. We've uh, we've got a, a couple minutes over, which is great. And, uh, Dean, is there any, anything else that, that you would like to um, you know, let folks know out there about your organization, what we can do, um, how we can contact you and others, uh, we've got, we, we'll post your websites. Uh, is there anything else that we need to, uh, to do in order for folks to get in contact with you? No, really, I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm open to being contacted directly about any of these things. Uh, you know, I have an email address is dean at nativeecosolutions.com. Uh, my my um, mobile number, 760-889-9481. I know that's always dangerous to put that out there, but, hey, you know, you never know. Um, and obviously our website, nativeecosolutions.com, allstarvets.org. We're on social media with Facebook and uh, Instagram mostly. I don't really do Twitter too much yet, anything like that. It's just enough to do with what I've got in front of me to be tweeting all day long on top of it. <laughs> so, yeah, I hear you um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, reach out any, any, of those, any of those ways, you know. Um, you know, being Native American too, you know, there's all these, online platforms to reach out to but i'll take you know smoke signals you name it any way you want to do it i'm, I'm ready to receive it and engage so awesome. ready to receive great so, yes, sir. hey dean thanks well, that- for thanks for spending time with us today i really do appreciate it um looking forward to working with you and and supporting your goals your mission with both native echo solutions and all-star vets um and the native american um Native American veterans, um, uh, like I said to you in the past, I think the work that you're doing is spectacular. I think you're an outstanding individual and really ready to get behind you and help you out. Thank you Great. so much Thanks. once again just for having me and doing all the raising awareness that you all do. Thanks, Thanks for that. And I just wanted to thank um, you, Dean, for joining us and our hosts, Paul and Dave, for all the wonderful information you have shared with our listeners on today's show. We hope you have enjoyed our show today, and we will be posting any links referenced or mentioned in today's podcast in the descriptions for our listeners to have easy access to. And as always, please feel free to check us out at vetsbeyondtheuniform.com, or if you have any questions, you can, you can reach us at training at vetsbeyondtheuniform.com. Thank you for tuning in and listening, and have a wonderful day. <laughs>